Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What is the rapture? The rapture is called the snatching away or the catching up. Let me try to explain to you so I think it'll make sense to you. There's going to come a a day and it's instantaneous where Jesus is going to come into the skies and he's going to take the church, all true believers, immediately, instantaneously from this earth. It's called the great snatch. So boom, you're all gone. What a great event we have to look forward to. Amidst all of the difficulties and trials of this life, we can take comfort that it's all temporary. In today's message, Pastor Mark discusses the signs of the times. He talks about the event known as the rapture, in which God is going to snatch away all of those who are living and who believe in Jesus. All who believe will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, to be with Him forever. Those left behind will go through the Great Tribulation. Do you believe in Christ today? Will you be taken in the rapture? Or will you be left behind? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Understanding the Signs of the Times. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. From time to time, you may have heard of words like this. The rapture, the tribulation, the second coming, the millennium, the antichrist, 666, the beast. Well, those are all terms that have to do with prophecy. We're going to talk this morning about understanding the, the signs of the times in which we live. A sign is simply something or someone that gives information, that gives us direction. The Bible is filled with signs from beginning to end. As we think about signs, are we living in the last days? Hopefully you've turned in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we begin in verse 1. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and, here's the key word, tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. You remember Jesus just returned from this incredible trip into a Gentile territory. He cast out a demon from a young girl. He healed all kinds of sickness and blindness. He then just supernaturally fed 15,000 people. And the Jewish leaders say, hey, could you give us a sign? What in the world? I mean, they saw things that no man could do. But notice they asked for a sign from heaven. 
Well, in the Old Testament, you remember when the children of Israel were going through those 40 years, they were led by a cloud by day and a fire by night. So they're asking for this sign. What is Jesus going to say? Look at verse 2. He replied, well, when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather because the sky is red. This is kind of their Doppler weather in those days. In the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. So Jesus, in a sarcastic way, says this. Oh, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky. You know about weather, but you cannot interpret the signs of the time. Jesus says, hey, you're the religious leaders. You got the weather down fine, but you're supposed to know the spiritual understanding of the times that you live in. You're supposed to understand that the kingdom of God has arrived. I'm the Messiah. Your Old Testament prophecies told you over and over and over again. You're the religious leaders. Now, I can understand the guy in the street doesn't get it. But you ask me if I'm the Messiah, you should know spiritually because the Bible has told you generations ago. You see, Jesus had fulfilled all these Old Testament prophecies and he was standing personally in front of them. I'm sure maybe Jesus side by side said to them, hey, don't you remember in Isaiah 61 where it was prophesied exactly what the Messiah would do? He'd heal the sick, he'd raise the dead, the blind could see, the the lame could walk. Hello, you just watched me do it. Hey guys, you remember one of your great prophets, Daniel? He said in Daniel chapter 9, Here's when the Messiah will come, exactly when he would come, the time of year it would be, I'm him. But you missed it. So what does Jesus say in verse 4? A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. And Jesus then left them and went away. Jesus says, I'm going to give you one sign. The one sign I'm going to give you to prove that I'm the sign, oh, it's heavenly. To prove that I'm the son of God. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish, the great fish for three days and three nights and then he came out, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. I'm going to be in the ground three days, three nights, and then God will bring me back to life. That's the sign you need to look for. It'll prove to you that I'm the Messiah. I'm not going to give you any other signs. And then he simply turned and walked away. Now, why did Jesus walk away? Well, the reason Jesus walked away, he knew that these religious leaders would refuse to believe no matter what sign they saw. You see, they had hard hearts. They were spiritually blind to the truth. They didn't want to believe In fact, you know what happened. You remember when Jesus was put into the grave? These same Jewish religious leaders went to the Roman courts, Herod and so forth, and they said, put some guards around the tomb. We don't want any mistake. So they put guards around the tomb. Well, you remember what happened. Angel came, Jesus was resurrected. The guards went running back to the religious leader and said, hey, the grave's empty. The Jewish leader said, "Uh uh-huh. Here's what you want to do. Here's the lie you want to tell. You remember the story? He said, well, the disciples came and stole the body away. So the reason Jesus walked away 
He knew it didn't matter what sign they saw. They would refuse to believe. First thing I want you to write today is this, and it's very important. It's not that people can't believe. It's they choose not to believe. You see, Christianity is always received by faith. Let me give you a couple shocking facts today. I can't prove to you there's a God. You can't prove to me there isn't. Now what? That's why you go by faith. Of course, we have tremendous proof from the word of God, its accuracy, nature. You have, well, God's put eternity in your heart. You have a conscience. You know there's a God. But when you get to those things, understand that faith is always responsible. So it's not that people won't believe. It's just that they absolutely choose not to. And of course, they will suffer the problems with that. Notice in verse 3, Jesus says, well, you know the weather, but you don't get the signs of the time. What is he saying? He's saying to the religious leaders, don't you know Bible prophecy? I mean, you're the religious people. Don't you understand? Don't you understand what's going to happen in the future? Don't you get the future? Well, what is this thing called prophecy? By the way, there's only, only one world religion that has prophecy. It's us. The Bible tells us from beginning to end what's going to happen. No other real religion ever even claims to do that or tries to do that. What is prophecy? Let me give you a little definition of it. Very simple. Here it is. Prophecy is history written in advance. You see, God is all-knowing. He already knows what's going to happen. So when I study prophecy, the Bible's filled with it from beginning to end, it isn't like, hmm, wonder what happened there. Will that happen? Sure it will happen. 100% accuracy. So when you think about that, you just, well, I know that God is accurate. Prophecy's been fulfilled. Hundreds of prophecies have been filled. We have hundreds more to go. So as I read to you today the signs that Jesus gives, don't sit there and go, nah, I don't think so. No, they're going to happen. They're absolutely going to happen. Now, as you read some of them, it sounds like Star Wars. Sounds kind of like sci-fi. It is not sci-fi. It's absolutely truth. God knows from beginning to end, there's absolutely no question that he understands all of it. So let me spend some time with uh, something that maybe you're not familiar with, but this is a little snapshot, and I'm not going to go into great detail, but I am going to talk to you about prophecy. What is going to happen in the future? Let me bring you up to speed where we're at. There's two things I want you to focus on. At first is the first coming, the first coming of Jesus Christ. That's one of the most important things In all of history, that's what Jesus did. He came to this earth. By the way, it was predicted over and over and over about 300 prophecies that Jesus would come in the Old Testament. Now, why is that an important, significant thing on the scan of time from the beginning of time to the end? Well, this is why. Because man is sinful. You and I can't be good enough. We can't get to God because of our good works or church membership or whatever. And because of that, we needed someone who could come and live as a man and be perfect. God required a sacrifice. Jesus came. He lived as a man who was fully God, and he was also fully man. He did not sin, but he took your sin and my sin upon him. The substitute, and we changed places. He made me right with God, and he took the sin 
The wages of sin is death and he died and God raised him from the dead. The reason that happened is because God loves you. So the cross, the first coming, is incredibly important. Well, the second thing I want you to see is the second coming of Jesus. Now, why is that important? Well, Jesus said he was coming back to this earth. Actually, he's going to come back partially once. That's the rapture. We'll talk about it in a moment. But he is going to come down again. So we have this promise of Jesus coming the first time, going back to heaven. Acts chapter 1, he goes back to heaven. And he's going to come back kind of in the air, which I'll talk about in a moment, and then second. Now, when Jesus went back to heaven, we began an age. It's an age that, um, well, is, it's an age where it's the church age. Now, the second thing I want you to see are two other significant events that are coming. Here they are. The first you see there is called the rapture. Just look at it and see the time. You say, well, Pastor Mark, where are we on this scale? We're right in the church age. After the cross, before the rapture. That's where you and I are living today. That's where we're at. Okay? So what is the next thing that's going to happen on the prophetic scale of time? What's the very next thing that's going to happen? Tell me. The rapture. Okay, what is the rapture? Now, some Christians don't believe that's going to happen and the second coming is different. They don't believe in the millennium, whatever. That's okay. Here's what we believe. And the majority of evangelicals absolutely believe this because you can see it in scripture. The very next thing that's going to happen on the sequence of events is something called the rapture. What is the rapture? The rapture is called the snatching away or the catching up. Let me try to explain to you so I think it'll make sense to you. There's going to come a, a day... And it's instantaneous where Jesus is going to come into the skies and he's going to take the church, all true believers, immediately, instantaneously from this earth. It's called the great snatch. So boom, you're all gone. Now we're going to get in the middle of the air and as we're going to heaven in the twinkling of an eye, we get a new body. Hallelujah. If I didn't have anything else to say to you, that's pretty good news right there. You see, because the real you is spiritual. So I'm going to get a new body. I'm going to exchange this old one for a perfect one suited for heaven. Then we're going to go to heaven, and we're going to be in heaven for these next seven years of tribulation. I'll be back to that in a moment. We're going to be in heaven for those seven years. You see, guys, there's only four phases of death. Birth, life, we're living now, death, and then eternity. The scripture says to be absent from our body is to be present with the Lord. So what happens at the rapture? Well, even before we get off the ground, the scripture says the dead in Christ, those that were Christians, rise first. Here's what happens. They're in heaven. They come down to here in the, in the sky and their old body comes out of the grave. Woo. That's weird, isn't it? Now, and they get their, they have a temporary body now, but they're going to get the new heavenly body then. As they do that, then the Christians come. So they do that first. Now you say, well, how can God recreate a body? Hello, how were you born? We were born from what? Dirt. It's not a problem from God. Relax. So every Christian at the time of the rapture is out of here. We go to heaven. It's the great escape. That's important for you to understand. Now, so tell me again, what is the next thing you and I can expect 
in the prophetic time of God. What's the very next thing that's going to happen to Christians? The rapture. And we're out of here. To heaven. Now, are we living in the last day? I believe so. Could the rapture happen in my lifetime? I hope so. Why? Because I don't want to die. See, the only other way to get out of here is to die. Is that right? You say, well, I'd rather die. We'll talk to you afterward because you got problems. <laughs> I'd just soon go like that, wouldn't you? All right. All right. Let me tell you now. If we don't go, if we're not Christians, what's next on the signs? Seven-year tribulation. What is that? Well, the seven-year tribulation is a time that you and I have never seen. It's a time of God's wrath on this world. His wrath will come, and during that seven years, a lot of things will take place. The revived Roman Empire in Europe will form a coalition. Out of that coalition, a man will arise, totally demonized from Satan, called the Antichrist. He will bring peace, amazingly, between the Jews and the Arabs. Can you imagine that? I'm talking about real peace. And he will build, he will allow the Jews to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. By the way, during this seven years, there's a halfway point, the last part of it, God's wrath comes. I read a little about that. Skies will turn black, the moon blood. One half of the world will die. Now we're a little over, over six and a half billion people. Can you imagine that? In this period of time? Now, when this Antichrist comes to rule, Israel as a nation will go, finally Christ came. They will rebuild the temple. It'll be in Jerusalem. It'll be wonderful until midway. The Antichrist sets up an image of himself and says to the people of the world, bow down and worship me. The spiritual eyes of the Jews are open and they go, "Uh uh-oh. He is not the Christ. And that's the abomination that causes desolation. From that, well, just all hell breaks loose on the world. The Jews have to scatter, some to Petrus, whatever. God sends angels and and the gospel is preached. I'm not going to go into all the detail because we'll get that when we get to Matthew 24. But then what happens is at the end of that tribulation, when all the world comes to destroy Israel, Jesus comes back. That's his second coming. He comes back to this earth. Actually, his feet land in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. And uh, there's a little bit of scrimmage. That's done. Then there's a thousand years of peace on earth, like the Garden of Eden. You and I are coming back. Notice who comes back with Jesus. If you're a Christian, you come back with Jesus. And we rule and reign this earth with our new heavenly body. Now, as that happens, we go through a thousand years of peace. At the end of a thousand years, by the way, during that time, Satan's been bound up. and Man has to obey God. But at the end, he's released for a little time. There's more rebellion. A lot of people join him. Finally, he's destroyed for the very last time. God comes, puts him in with all the unbelievers into something called the lake of fire. And then God says, I'm done with this world. I'm done with the heavens. He creates, destroys them all and gives us a brand new heaven. On earth. Why? Because there will no longer be any sin element, not even a, a, a smell of sin. It's gone. And we shall forever live with the Lord. Now that's, that's the picture. That's the picture 
of what's going to happen. Now, as you see that, I want you to see, and you have to write this down, the church age then ends with the signless event of the rapture. There is no sign that shows us when the rapture's coming. But there are lots of signs that show us when the tribulation's coming. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say that you don't know when Thanksgiving is. All you know is it comes before Christmas, but you don't know when it is. I know you know when it is. Just go along with me. So Linda and I were out shopping, and all the Christmas trees are out, and the lights are out. It's probably August already, knowing our community, right? When you see all these signs of Christmas, I say to my wife, Thanksgiving's coming. She says, are you crazy? These are the signs of what? Christmas. But I say to her, well, I don't know when Thanksgiving's coming, but I know that Thanksgiving's before Christmas. So if I see the Christmas signs, I know that before Christmas is going to be Thanksgiving. Very good. So here we are. So it makes sense to you. Thanksgiving has no sign. The rapture has no sign. But we're going to see this morning Christmas or the end of the tribulation or the second coming has lots of signs. So if I see the signs of the second coming and the tribulation, I know before those things happen, what's coming? Thanksgiving or the rapture. So it's very clear. If I start seeing the signs of the seven-year tribulation and the second coming of Jesus then I know, even though the rapture is silent, I know it's what? Very close. So that's the signs we're going to look at today. Does it make sense to you? That's the signs we're going to look at today. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 24. We'll be back to 16. Just put your finger there for a second. In Matthew 24, Jesus just talked about, in verses 1 and 2, we'll start in verse 3. He talked about the future to his disciples. They were standing around the incredible temple that Herod had finished adding on to. And Jesus says this, before long, not one stone will remain upon another. And of course, if you've ever been there, and we've seen some of the walls when we're in Israel, you look at that thing and say, the disciples probably thinking, what? And he says, not one stone. In other words, Jerusalem, the temple is going to be destroyed. It was prophetic. It's around 30, 31, 32 A.D., In 70 AD, the entire temple was destroyed. See, God's prophecy is always true. So as he's doing that, they leave there and they go about an hour away to the Mount of Olives. Look in verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Hey, tell us. Notice what they're asking. When will this happen? Well, what they're talking about there, when will this happen, is when will the temple be destroyed? Of course, he talked about it that later, how it'll be. Then they said, and if you're talking about destruction and things in the future, what will be the sign of your coming back to this earth? Jesus gave us signs of what would indicate that his coming is drawing near. Many of these signs we can see today. In today's message, Pastor Mark shared with us about one of the great events surrounding the coming of Christ, the rapture. Interestingly, Pastor Mark shares that there is no sign for the rapture. It will be quick. In the twinkling of an eye, God will snatch away his people to be with him forever. Are you ready? Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. One of the signs of the times concerns the nation of Israel. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark shares the importance of Israel and her role in the events of the end times. Israel, though seemingly insignificant in size, seems to be the focus of worldwide peace. Satan, working through Israel's enemies, seeks to destroy her. But God, who has committed himself to Israel's protection, has all things under his control. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.